Amen. So good to be able to pray for each other and bless each other. And uh, it's, it's so beautiful to do it in this environment as a family, um, but also that we get to do this for others and bless others and, and release Amen. the goodness of God into people's lives, practically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We get to be a change, the difference in our spheres of influence. So, so awesome, so good to see you guys. Um, it's always a privilege to share the word, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity and that you're here and you actually want to listen. That's awesome, thank you. <laughs> That's a good start. I mean, I think we're doing all right. Um, but uh, I'm encouraged, man. The, the first service was so good, just what the Lord's been saying over the last couple of weeks, um, and uh, I'm excited to share in this service as well. Um, Maybe before I get there, I just want to, to share something that was on my heart while we were worshiping. Um, I think the Lord really wants us to know that He wants you more than you could even possibly want Him. I, just, I was feeling that stirring in my heart where sometimes we, we slip into like a mentality or mindset of uh, being so, so genuinely desperate and hungry for Him, and it's beautiful, but it's like we, we get into this mindset of having to um, get there. Do you know what I mean? Like really find him. Where is he? <laughs> and, uh, and I just want to encourage you. I felt the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we are not the only ones pursuing, that we're not the only ones singing, that we're not the only ones speaking. Actually, that in this relationship, he speaks more. He sings more. Uh, and so I feel like even just this morning, the Lord's teaching us to listen. Just to listen, to, to learn to be still and to receive the voice of God. I remember a couple of weeks ago, the Lord said to me, um, the most valuable thing we possess is the voice of God within us. It's the most valuable thing, the voice of God within you, that, that He's chosen to speak to your heart, to your spirit. You know, sometimes we're pursuing this external, crazy, loud, you know, we want this loud, booming voice or this encounter, and those are beautiful, and God gives those to you, but we miss the intimacy that comes with hearing the voice of God in your spirit, man, that He's become one with your spirit, that the Holy Spirit has made His residence inside of you, and that He's chosen you to be His home. So the last couple of weeks, um, specifically last week, uh, really did blow the trumpet pretty hard uh, for the unreached and for the nations, and uh, if you don't know what I mean by that, 41.8% of the global population is classified as unreached, meaning they've never heard the gospel. Paul in Romans 15 says, uh, I made it my ambition to preach the gospel where it has never been heard before. And so I just kind of blew the trumpet to remind us of the bigness of what God's doing across the nations, that we get to be a part of that as the house, as the family, as part of the global body. So we did zoom out quite big, and I shared some stats and all the things that are happening in the nations and, and our assignments and what God's called us to do. And if you haven't listened to that, um, I'd really encourage you to go onto the, the podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, whatever, all those things, uh, and just listen to it and, and listen to these two together. Because today I'm kind of going to zoom in on our hearts and just talk about what it looks like every day. Because how many of you know um, the band won't be there tomorrow morning when you wake up, uh, you know, getting you stoked for the day? Uh, and so there's got to be more. We've got to understand what it looks like for us. It's not just a message. It's not just a moment. It's a lifestyle in His presence. Maybe let me just start off here and just remind you, and I really do pray that the Holy Spirit would minister this to you today, that you are so loved by God. 
He really does love you so much. And I think in the midst of what we're journeying and stuff that's going on, we really need to know that. It's, um, it's actually more important than anything else I could possibly say today. It's just how much you're loved. He loves you so much. So Holy Spirit, I release that over the room, just the love of God over every person's life, over their heart, their mind right now. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Spirit. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that He actually ministers the all-sufficiency of Jesus in you and through you. <laughs> it is good, man. It's so good. That's what He does. The Holy Spirit ministers the all-sufficiency of the nature of Jesus to you, for you, through you, with you. See, in the garden, there's these two trees. There's the tree of life, and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if I could simplify it like this this morning for you, just say one was our attempt, and one was the sufficiency of Jesus. The tree of life is just the all-sufficiency of God. Eat from life, and be in Him, through Him, for Him forever. That's what we were made for. But two trees are there because in order to experience and live in true love, you have to choose. If you don't get the opportunity to choose love, you'll never know love. And so God wasn't intimidated by man's choice. He knew it was going to happen, and he had a plan before the beginning of time. But really, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, is just an attempt at independence. That's what it is. And it's funny that if you look at how the world works and the mentality and the mindset of the world, it's all about independence. You need to be independent. You need to figure it out. You need to grind. It's all about the grind. It's all about getting it done, making something of yourself. It's the mentality, the mindset of the world, and it's totally opposite to the heart of the Father. In fact, you, you were designed to be dependent. You were designed to be dependent on God. You were designed to eat from the tree of life, the all-sufficiency of Jesus. The all-sufficiency. He's the only one sufficient to heal, to save, to redeem, to transform. He's the only one sufficient to do everything that we're called to do, right? I don't know if you believe that, but it's the truth. Maybe just get into the Word, read that a little more. The reality is He's the only one who can do it, and that's why He's given us. He actually said, it's better for me, it's better for you that I go. Why? So that you would get the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God inside of you, ministering the fullness, the perfection of the nature of Jesus to you, in you, and through you, so that you'd be able to live a life that bears the fruit of Christ. Amen? Okay. You're there. Awesome. In Acts chapter 11 and Acts 13, I've preached a lot around Antioch, the church in Antioch. We went there in January. That's the church I was talking about that's exploding. But in Acts 11 and Acts 13, we read about what's, what happened in Antioch and how they became this missions base for that whole region. And I've been saying this a while, that if you don't have Antioch, you don't get the, the New Testament. You don't get the, we don't get the gospel without Antioch. Uh, you don't get churches like Ephesus and all these. You don't get Paul. Okay, so, so it's a beautiful picture. I've shared this before, but something uh, so profound, which I want to share, is that in Antioch, before they ever apostolically commissioned or sent anybody, something happened before that, and it was this. 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Revival broke out. Great grace was upon them. That's what it says in Acts 11. Barnabas is sent. He recognizes these things on the church. But something so significant happens. It's the first time that society or the city looks at the church and recognizes the nature of Jesus in these people and calls them Christians. It's the first time. Remember, they didn't choose to call themselves Christians. Right? They didn't, they didn't go, you know what would be a great name for this group? It was society that recognized the manner in which they were living. And they said, this kind of looks like that man, Jesus, that we heard about from Jerusalem, Judea, who was ministering and did those incredible, profound things. It looks like him, Christian, little Christs. Are you with me? And so, before any apostolic movement, before any explosion of preaching the gospel to the unreached and transforming a city and seeing all these things happen, it started with a group of people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. The grace of God was upon them and they were becoming like Jesus in everything that they did. This is the, the foundation to who we are and what we are about. Are you with me? Our highest call, even before the assignments of God, with whatever He's called you to do, our highest call is to be intimate with Him, to become like Him through the free gift of righteousness that He's given us, through the Spirit of Jesus ministering on your behalf. I, I shared this this morning out of Romans 8 and, uh, and Galatians 4. It says that the Holy Spirit, He's one with your spirit, and He's crying out, Abba, Father, on your behalf all the time, 24-7, 365, never ends. In other words, even when you are not aware of it, Holy Spirit is one with your spirit, and He's crying out, Abba, Father. He's continually remaining in perfect divine access to all that the Father is on your behalf. The only reason why sometimes we don't live in that place is simply because we're not aware or we allow our attention to be diverted. And so when we're no longer aware of, of the voice of Holy Spirit, what He's doing inside of us, we sometimes come out of that place and we get distracted with a lot of things. But even in that moment, Holy Spirit on your behalf is remaining in perfect connection. All we have to do is continue to be aware and grow in our awareness of His presence in our lives. In other words, the only thing that separates us from perfect union and intimacy with the Father every single day is our attention. When we begin to value other things more than we value His presence. And let me be real, it happens, right? Mondays are interesting days, <laughs> to, to say it lightly. They can be. You can, you can have an absolute cracker time at church on Sunday and you get to work and it's hectic, right? And, there's, and this is the thing. Jason Upton, he says something so profound. He says, silence, and I th he might have been quoting someone else, but I heard it from him. He said, silence is not the absence of noise. It's the absence of noises that demand your attention. I don't know about you, but I love going to the bush. And when you go to the bush, I always say this. I'm like, you sit there, and it's just quiet. No, it's not actually quiet. There's birds, and there's a lot of stuff going on. But it's quiet in that all the noises that have been demanding my attention are gone. Are you with me? And so learning to be still with the Father is not trying to shut everything out and find some sort of place. I can't, it's not my closet. It's not my room. I don't know. I can't find a place to just get absolutely silent. No. It's allowing your heart to become silent and still to all the other voices, all the distractions, and to just yield to Him so that you can turn your affection and your focus towards the Father and allow Him to minister to you. So I was, I was just praying last night for this morning, and I felt the Holy Spirit drop this thought in my heart. 
You know, a lot of us have been in these meetings. We, we've listened. We've heard the gospel. We've heard the grace message preached. We know that God has paid everything. Jesus paid the, the final, uh, absolute, ultimate price. We sang about it. It is finished. He said, it is finished, meaning there's nothing left to achieve. He did it, and he's given it to us as a free gift, right? We've heard this message, and we've, most of us have sat in these meetings, and yet majority of the church today find themselves in this daily place of tension where we have uh, heard something and maybe understood it to a certain degree, and yet we're frustrated that we're not seeing the fruit that we long for in our lives, the fruits of Christ. Are you with me? And I was saying, Lord, it's interesting, I've, I've, you know, when you're discipling and, and, and counseling people, this comes up a lot, where people are like, man, what's wrong with me that I hear this, whatever, I'm not seeing these things in my life. This is often the perspective and the mindset. And the Lord said to me, he said this, he said, the reason we often do not see the fruits of Christ in our lives is often not because we have failed to understand him, but rather that we have failed to become intimate with him. And I use the word failed, not because, I mean, you know, you can't fail in God. I'm not talking about achieving righteousness or a standard or he gave it to you. It's a free gift. But intimacy is the one thing we get to give to God. It's the one thing. And, and let, me, let me put it like this. Some of you might be thinking, what about obedience? And what about the Great Commission? And all Those are the things we get to do with God. Obedience is how we come into co-laboring and partnering with God to do what's on His heart. But intimacy is the one thing that we get to choose to give back to Him. Are you with me? So what if offense... How many of you have ever been offended in your life? Right? Every time I preach, I know. Sorry. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm playing with you. I really actually don't enjoy that. So, um, Offense is what happens when we stop living intimately with truth. So let me put it this way. Living intimately with truth, which is really just living intimately with the person of Jesus, when we live intimately pursuing and, and ministering to Him and receiving His ministry, it, it produces these two things. It produces conviction that will transform you. How many of you know offense and conviction are different things? Conviction is beautiful. It's painful sometimes, but it's beautiful because it produces transformation. He's given you everything that you need in order to live the life that He's called you to live, but conviction brings you back into that alignment to walk with Him, Right? And so it, it'll produce conviction that transforms you, or it'll produce revelation that protects you from the lie. That when something comes, when information comes, and it's not truth, because you live intimately with truth, the revelation that's in Christ protects you from the lie so that that thing becomes foreign to the truth, foreign to who you are. This is what it looks like to live intimately in relationship with the Spirit of truth. Does that, does that make sense? Are you, do you hear what I, what I mean by that? Because if we want to follow God into all the awesome assignments that He's got for us, right? every single one of you, uh, your life is not an accident. Your life is not a mistake. God is intentionally behind uh, your life. He has a, a plan and a purpose for your life, and it's, it's probably not the one that you think. It's just the reality. Those things died when we came into Christ and actually we come alive into His dream. It's not your dream anymore, it's His dream. And so the reality is you weren't created for yourself. I want to say this as well, you weren't even created for others. You were created for Him and because it's His heart to love others, that's why we do. 
It's a love for each other that's not even our own love. It's a capacity given to us through Jesus to love others. It's a supernatural kind of love. It's why you can have a family like this, the body of Christ, where we're so different. And in, in a natural sense, we probably wouldn't even hang out. <laughs> ah, let's be real. A lot of people come to church and it's like, sure, if it wasn't for the grace of God. <laughs> but the beautiful, thing about, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that He brings all of us together in our differences. You know, it's like, man, I'd probably never hang out with you because we're so different, but because we've become one in Christ, there's a love that I have for you that's not natural. It's a supernatural love. Jesus talks about this in, in John 15. Where, you know, they're gonna, they'll know that you're my disciples because you love one another. This is a, this is a different kind of love. This is not an, uh, an earthly need-based love where it's, I love you. Do you love me? I'm saying it to hear it back. Or I love you with strings attached. You know, I really love you when you make me feel good and you do what I think you should do or what I need. No, this is a supernatural, unconditional love. No greater love than this, that a man would lay his life down for his friends. This is the kind of love that would, would die for one another, no strings attached. Are you with me? And so I'm reminded this morning that the foundation of our lives, as we begin to uh, walk in obedience and do what, what God's called us to do, the foundation of our lives is intimacy with Him. Most of you missed that. It's all good. Go back and listen to it. It'll change your life. <laughs> no, it's all good. Go back and listen to it on the podcast. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. <laughs> it says this. It says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with Him. Therefore, as you have received, Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Walk in union with Him. As you have received. Well, how did we receive Him? By faith, right? This is the gospel. We received Him by faith. So how do we walk in union with Him? By faith. So that means it's not based on how you feel on Monday morning. Or Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday. It's not based on that. It's based on faith. And so how do we know... If it says that just as we've received Him, we should walk in Him, how do we know we're in the posture or the position of receiving? Gratitude. How do you know you've positioned your heart to receive from Jesus? Well, are you thankful for what He paid for, for what He's given you? See, see, thankfulness, gratitude, postures your heart in a place to receive because of this simple truth. You can only become in Christ what you have received in Christ. See, the life of the Christian is not something that's to be figured out. It's received, and then it's believed, and then it's lived out. It's, you become it. Are you with me? Or you could almost say you believe it, you receive it, and you become it. And so thankfulness, it, it looks like Monday morning when you wake up and, okay, the band's not here, everyone else is not, it's not the vibe is not the same, Right? Morning breath, you know, I haven't had my coffee yet. It's just a rough Monday. I'm, I'm being silly, but the reality is, what does it look like when it's just you and Him? As you've received Him, so walk in Him. It's not based on your feelings. In fact, majority of the time, you'll wake up feeling not like you feel right now or in the presence of the Lord. You'll wake up feeling maybe a little bit 
fleshly and tired and your, your flesh is quite loud and you, maybe you overslept and the, or the alarm irritated you or your dog was barking at four in the morning, or right? And so how do we come into that place of union and walking with Him? We start with gratitude. Father, I thank you, regardless of how I'm feeling. Father, I thank you that you have given me everything that I need in Christ to be who you've called me to be, to do what you've called me to be. Or to, to do. So, Father, thank you that today, yes, I've got a lot of things to do. There's a lot to get done, and maybe there's some stressful situations, but Lord, in the midst of these things, I'm going to shine because your spirit is inside of me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so, Lord, in the midst of the storm, we're going to thrive. Are you with me? Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Everyone's panicking. He's the only one who really knows who he is. So, he's sleeping in the boat. The disciples are panicking, and then they wake him up, and it's like, how can you be sleeping, right? And Jesus gets up, and he just speaks to the storm. And he's an example. He's a demonstration of what it means to thrive in the midst of situation and circumstance. He's an example of what it means to be someone who's just living in the fullness of what the Father has given, has paid for. See, Jesus is the prototype of what you were born for. The reason why He came in the manner in which He came, the reason why He, he could have come as this you know, triumphant King on the clouds and just everyone would have just bowed down before Him and that's the end of the show. Thank you so much and uh, let's beam us up. Let's go. He didn't do that though. He came in a lowly place. He came to minister from that lowly place, from that humble place. He modeled a life of perfection. He modeled the ministry that we were called to collaborate with Him in. He became the firstborn of what many sons and daughters were going to look like. He was the prototype of what you were created for. Are you with me? And so if we understand this and we look at the life of Jesus, we see this unselfish, selfless love for others that's driven and rooted in a deep intimacy with the Father through the Holy Spirit. And so what does it look like when the assignment right now isn't to go put your feet in the Middle East or in the unreached nations? And what does it look like when the assignment is actually to that university or that, that business or politics or whatever it is that you are in? If that's the assignment of the Lord, and again, go and listen to what I said last week, make sure you actually know that. Because based on the statistics, there's a large part of the church that are in the wrong place. And that's why they're so frustrated. But the reality is, when you know that you're in, the, you're in the, the, the assignment of God, the current assignment. Remember Barnabas was a man with, with uh, extra assets and things that he sold. And then 10 years later, he's the guy who's actually commissioned as the missionary. Are you with me? So the current assignment in that, what does it look like when it, it, it's getting up on a Monday and going to that business? Well, it starts with being filled, receiving everything that Christ is, and allowing Holy Spirit, to transform you so that you can shine every day, realizing that you've woken up, mercy, has woke, mercy wakes you up for another day to shine, to be like Him, to love people, to lead people to Him, that your life would be such a contradiction to the things of this world, and it, it provokes and forces people to ask questions. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of all the craziness, in the midst of everyone freaking out, why are you so happy and joyful and full of peace and, and love? Why are you actually serving others when everyone else is only thinking about themselves? What is, it, what is it about your life that's different to mine? Because there's clearly a difference and I need what you have. See, we, we've got to make sure that we don't settle for less than Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
See, pride is rooted in independence. Right? I mean, I'll, I'll leave you to think about that one. But pride is rooted in independence. And so if we know that we were created to be dependent on the Father, to eat from the tree of life, to be dependent on the all-sufficiency of Jesus for everything that we are, then we realize that dependence produces humility. So how do we, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to produce humility in us and through us? Well, just start by being dependent on Him. Dependence produces humility, and humility leads you to love. Can I say it like this? It's impossible to truly love without humility. Because love and pride, they don't mix. They don't go together. Pride's always about me. It's always selfish, right? And love, by nature, because it's the, the nature of God, is not that way. And so humility leads us to what that expression of true love looks like. We have that statement, love lived out. What does it mean to live out the love of God? Well, it starts by being dependent on Him, which is going to produce this humility in our lives where we're, we, we find it's a joy for us to choose the low place. It's a joy for us to serve. It's a joy for me to serve you that you would benefit most. Because in that place, I'm led to true love. In that place, I discover all of who God is. And I begin to walk in the nature of God. Are you with me? In, uh, in carrying on with this chapter, it says, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with Him. The Amplified says, Reflecting His character in the things you do and say. And then it says this, Living lives that lead others away from sin. Beautiful. Having been deeply rooted in Him and now being continually built up in Him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. Are you with me? Come on, this is the word. So he's saying, he's saying, as you received Him, so walk in Him. As you receive by faith, so walk by faith in union with Christ. And as you do that, Holy Spirit's going to continue to build the nature of Christ inside of you. In other words, the expressions of Jesus, the marks of the nature of God in my uniqueness are growing day by day. And I'm, I'm becoming more like Him today than I was yesterday because I'm becoming more intimate with Him. And I'm growing in my relationship with Him. And it doesn't look like forcing myself to set that 45 minutes before I go to work to get that time in and read that chapter and write those notes. It looks like everything that I am is yours, every moment. You know, sometimes you're going to have a busy day, and your job might actually require your attention on that thing. But that's when you begin to pray, Lord, even though I need to focus on this, would you continue to help me to be communing with you all the time so that in the midst of my job and what I have to do, I am available, I am willing, I'm listening to the strategies of heaven, I'm listening to the word of the Lord, I'm available to minister, I'm available to love people, I'm available to be an example. Are you with me? I'm saying that a lot. I'm, I guess you're with me. <laughs> uh, the last one is becoming increasingly more established in your faith. You see, when we live this way, we become unshakable. Because we're rooted in Him. We're being built in Him, and now we're established. And this is what happens when the world around us is going crazy, and we're just steadfast in being intimate with Jesus, growing uh, more acquainted with Him, learning how to love. And in that place, we're preaching the gospel, raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons, preaching the gospel to the unreached, making disciples of all nations. What about this? What about that? We just continue to do what God's called us to do. 
See, the kingdom of God is actually, it's about souls. It's not a cause. It's not a, a strategy to, to make you great. It's about souls. And so God's going to put us in every sphere of society to reach every single lost son, son and daughter because he loves them. The same ache, the same longing that he has for you, he has for them. These people are around you every single day. Every single day. Amen. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. Amplified says, pseudo-intellectual babble. A lot of that going around. According to the tradition and musings of mere men. I love that it says mere men because I said in the first service, your brain is like a speck within a speck within a speck within a speck. If you think about us, then the planet, then the solar system, galaxy, you know, it just, honestly... And then that little speck, it's got it figured out. <laughs> I don't know where we get some of this stuff from. I think you need, you need more faith to think that our intellect is going to figure all this stuff out than you do to actually just trust God. It's just the reality. So the, the musings of mere men, following, see, this is, this is the key, following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth of Christ. We're not called to follow the elementary principles of this world. And, and let me put it this way. You're following something. Always. You were designed for that. You were made for that. So you're either following the ways of this world or your, your own selfish nature or you're following Christ. And we weren't, we weren't made for that. We were made for Him. And so here Paul's encouraging them. He's saying, don't, don't go after elementary principles of this world. Don't go after pseudo-intellectual babble. Don't try and figure stuff out. God will bring wisdom and clarity and understanding in the Holy Spirit, learn to be in Christ. That's what, what Paul's saying. He says, uh, for in Him, verse 9, for in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head of all rule and authority over uh, every angelic and earthly power. In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the body of the flesh, the sinful carnal nature having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him to a new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when you raised Christ from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, worldliness, your manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands which were in force against us, which were hostile to us. And this certificate, He has set aside and completely removed it, completely, 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 <laughs> completely removed it by nailing it to the cross. Once and for all, do you understand why the foundations of why we need to be rooted in Him is so key? Because righteousness is a gift. He's given it to you. He's made a way. He's given you everything that you need. Now is the opportunity to choose to minister to Him. That's intimacy. And I promise you now, I said this earlier as well, you know, we think that that place of, of resting in, in the finished work of Jesus and being intimate with Him, it almost sounds like a passive place, right? It sounds like, well, but what do you do? Like, how are you going to get things done? Well, let me just say this. I don't know how it's possible to be filled with the dunamis fire of the Holy Spirit and not do something. 
right? I was saying this, it's like people don't understand. Why do we do what we do? Why do we, what's the, what's the drive to go to something like the, the place like the Middle East where it's just terrible, nobody wants to go there on holiday, right? So what makes you want to go there? Well, I'm terrified, but I'm burning. What makes you want to minister the gospel to your colleagues and to your boss or to whoever it is when you know it's terrifying, it's risky? Well, I'm burning. And the burning overtakes the insecurity. The burning overtakes the, the shyness and the whatever. I'm burning. I, I've been intimate with him. My heart is burning. You know, I love the, on the end of Luke where it talks about the road to Emmaus. And then they're walking and they don't realize that it's Jesus after he's been raised. And then suddenly he breaks bread with them and their eyes are opened and they realize it's him. And then he disappears and they say this, did not our hearts burn within us on the road? I love, by the way, on the road, but that's a separate, we'll get to that another time. But did not our hearts burn within us? Something happens inside of us when we live in that intimate place of recognizing Him, seeing Him, listening to the voice of God. The automatic response is going to be to obey Him. <laughs> Verse 18, let no one defraud you of your prize your freedom in Christ, and your salvation. Just sit on that one for a second. Let no one defraud you of your price. Let no one make light of what Christ paid the price for. Let nobody uh, uh, deceive you. What, what Jesus has done, it's everything. By insisting on mock humility, interesting, the worship of angels, going into detail about visions that they claim to have seen to justify their authority. See, visions and encounters are not there to justify your authority. They're there to bring confirmation to the word of the Lord. Puffed up and conceived by his unspiritual mind. Oh, but he was having visions. And I'm for visions, by the way. We have tons of encounters and all that. But it's not to justify authority to feel like you have a say. You're a son. You're a daughter. Um... And not houses, and not holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body, supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that can only come from God. That's what it means to be a, a house of His presence, a people of His presence, led by the Spirit of God. It's a growth that comes from God. It's a people who are just holding fast to the head, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the center of everything that we do. And because of that one thing, there's a growth and an acceleration that comes from God. And if it's a growth that comes from God, it's a growth that's sustained by God. See, so much of the church today is us trying to manufacture something to grow and have, have impact and influence. And the reality is if we manufacture it, we have to sustain it. But when it's Him, then He sustains it. And we just continue to walk in intimacy and obedience. Um, okay. If you read in, in chapter 3, there's a few things I want to just pull out, but for the sake of time, uh, I'd encourage you to go read this whole chapter. But it starts off, it says, Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in His resurrection, keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused. That's what it says. Set your mind and keep focused. Why does it say that? See, your spirit man right now is having a glory party with Jesus. There is nothing that is separating your spirit man with the unlimited glory of God. It's happening right now. The difference is that our soul gets really distracted, noisy, and loud. And so what happens is he's giving us a tool here, Paul. He's saying, set your mind. Set your mind. 
It's intentional. It's stewarding your soul, stewarding your thoughts, stewarding your emotions, bringing them into obedience. Why? Through gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you've done for me. Thank you that you've finished it. It's a done deal. You've given me righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that because of that, I can come into intimacy with you. There is no obstacles between us. Do you see what I'm doing? Now I'm aligning my soul and my thoughts and my emotions with the reality of what Christ has done in me. And so I'm setting my mind on things above, and I'm keeping focused on Him. That's what equips me and strengthens me. It says, um, set your mind and keep focus habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. I didn't didn't write that. That's in the Word. (laughs) Don't set your mind on the earthly stuff. For you died to this world, and your new, real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. The promise is to be like Him and in Him, and then to appear with Him in the fullness of glory. That's the promise. You're with me. So put to death, he says, so put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body. And then he lists a bunch of stuff. He says, but, uh, verse 8, but now rid yourselves completely of all of these things. The language that you'll see here in verse 12, it starts talking about putting on, and we'll get to that now. But the language is put off all the stuff that's outside of his nature and put on everything that he is. It's a faith thing, right? But what does it look like? How do we put it on? How do we put on the nature of Jesus? Thank him for what he's given you. Because when you do that, you begin to set your mind and set your soul, your emotions, your thoughts on the finished work of Jesus. And now your soul does what it was designed to do, and that's to facilitate the finished work of Christ through your life. Now you become that window of His goodness and His glory. So the disconnect of why sometimes we can understand something and not see it lived in our lives is because we, He wants to teach us how to be intimate. He wants to teach us how to live daily in union with Him. It's not about ticking the boxes of religious duty. It's about a, this, this love affair with God. It's about this deep romance and intimacy with Him. It's about learning to be loved. And then he says, like, so as God's, uh, verse 12, so as God's cho- uh, own chosen people who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Listen to this. The Amplified adds this. It says, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasant, unpleasantness comes with good temper. That patience, the, 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 the Jesus kind of patience, It has the power to endure injustice and unpleasantness, inconvenience. Not just to endure it, but to do it with good temper. That's what it means to shine. Bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other. You've got to read the rest of this for the sake of time. Uh, It says, beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourselves in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Uh, verse 15, let the peace of Christ, listen to this, the inner calm of one who walks daily with Him. That peace, let it be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body. Oh, we should just read our Bibles, hey? (laughs) Verse 17, whatever you do, no matter what it is, There it is in the Word. Whatever you do, no matter what it is, in word or deed, 
do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and in dependence on Him. You guys need Amplified Bibles. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Dependence, gratitude. Are you seeing the marks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Intimacy. Okay, real quick. uh, Let's go to, to John chapter 13. Is everyone okay? Awesome. John chapter 13. I want to encourage you. We're probably, over the next couple of weeks, going to teach. We're going to focus in on discipleship and what it means. And I just want to introduce this theme to us today. We're probably going to teach a lot out of John 13 to 17, Matthew 5 and 6, some of these key discipleship passages. Um, But I just want to highlight, I don't have the time to unpack the whole of John 13. We will. It's really beautiful and powerful. But I'm just going to pull something out if that's okay. Uh, uh, John 13, uh, I want to read from verse 3. It says, That Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands, and that he had come from God and was now returning to to God, got up from supper, took off his outer robe, and taking a servant's towel, he tied it around his waist. So Jesus makes a statement in John 20, 21. He says it again in John 17. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. As the Father has commissioned me, so I'm commissioning you, right? And here it says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Awesome. You, you got it. Um, everything's been put in his hands. And, and that he had come from God. He had come from God and he was now returning to God, knowing all of this. He got up, took off his outer robes, which in that moment, can you imagine, earlier on it says uh, that he knew the hour he was in. So he's taking off his outer robes, and he, I guarantee you he's recognizing these robes are coming off in a few hours as well. In a much more brutal manner. He takes off the, his outer robes, and he takes a servant's towel, and he ties it around his waist. Listen to what he does. Then he poured water into the basin, And he began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel, which was tied around his waist. Here's Jesus, who has modeled intimacy, sonship, everything that we're called to be in him. And he's saying, knowing all that I am in God, this is what it looks like. And you see later on, he talks to his disciples, he says, if you've seen me do this, then do the same to one another, right? I just want to encourage you, he's not... Uh, talking just about practically washing people's feet. Otherwise, we would be a movement of washing feet, right? But what does it symbolize? There's a few things, but listen to what Jesus says. He says, when he came uh, to Simon Peter, he said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied to him, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but you will fully understand it later. It's profound. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Can you imagine? I would say that. Jesus, you know who he is. You've had revelation from the Father. Remember, Peter's the one who gets a revelation. You're the son of God. And then Jesus says, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. My father did. So he's got revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus is saying, he just took off his robes, put on the towel. I'm going to wash your feet. I would probably say the same thing. Not a chance, Lord. How can you, king of glory, wash my feet? This is Peter's response. Listen to what Jesus says. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. We can have nothing to do with each other. Jesus right here, this is a a prophetic picture of what he's about to do. He's about to wash mankind. Okay, But listen to this. 
Jesus is explaining to Simon Peter, he's saying, if you do not first receive my ministry to you, you can never minister back to me. If you do not receive my washing, my ministry, if you do not allow me, if you do not receive the, the finished work of Jesus taking the lowly place, not the lowly place, the lowest place, to minister to you, if you don't first receive that, you can never come into that place of ministering to him. This is the heart of God. This is intimacy. Intimacy is two lovers choosing the lowest place together. Simon Peter said to him, I love this. I get Simon Peter, man. I don't know if it's, you guys feel the same, but his response is, I'm like, I can see that coming out of my mouth. He says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, in that case, wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. He's like, take the bucket. And if I'm, you know what I mean? If this means that I'm not going to have anything to do with you, do whatever kind of washing you need to do, right? I love Peter. Listen to what Jesus says to him. He says, Anyone who is bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. And you, my disciples, are clean, but not all of you. And we know he's talking about Judas. Do you know he washed Judas's feet? But I found something interesting. So, so he's explaining. He's like, Peter, I love you. I get you, but you're missing the point. <laughs> right? He's saying, I, I, just listen to what I'm doing. I want to wash your feet. Now, this is a beautiful picture because... These guys, were, they were clean except for their feet. And if you know the time, their feet would have been seriously dusty and dirty. And for some reason, nobody had washed their feet while they were having this meal. So uh, there's a whole bunch of context to that, but for the sake of time. This is a prophetic picture of Jesus washing away the dirt of where they've come from, right? And preparing them for where they're now going to go. The other side of this, which I find so beautiful, is that if you study in the Old Testament, the priests, they would, you know, bath themselves and be clean. But every time that they would make a sacrifice to the Lord, they had to wash their hands and feet. Every time. So, so G, and this is the thing, it's, it's connected to sacrifice. So Jesus, he's been training and he's about to, John 14, 15, 16, 17, he's about to share more and prepare these disciples for what's to come. But he starts off by cleansing them from the dirt of where they've come from, preparing them for where their feet are now going to go. Listen to this. He understood that the lives that they were living were now going to become a sacrifice to the Lord, and he brings them into priestly ministry by cleaning their feet. He prepares them as priests unto the Lord, that your feet are now going to carry the gospel, that now actually your life is going to be a living sacrifice for me. And like priests in the Old Testament who had to wash their feet and their hands before they would uh, offer a sacrifice, I am now showing you that this is what the New Testament priesthood looks like. This is what I paid for. I'm preparing you to carry the same mission and mandate and intimacy and heart that I carry. Now I'm going to send you. And then we see he begins to train them. And so he sets them up with a demonstration of humility. He sets them up. He begins to teach them and show them what the heart of God is and how God begins to operate. That he doesn't come to, to lord it over people, but he comes to serve. That's our king. And so I said it earlier, Jesus begins to model that this is about two lovers choosing the lowest place together. See, you don't need to figure this stuff out. You don't need to try and, and, and solve your life's destiny. You need to just get low with Jesus. Receive the ministry of Jesus. Let him wash your feet. Let him cleanse the dirt from where you've come from and prepare your feet for where you're going and then trust him. Follow him. The stuff that I've been sharing from last week, I share it with passion and, and with zeal because it's the great commission and it's what we are called to 
as a family. But it doesn't happen because we decided to make it our cause. It happens because we chose to be intimate with the desire of the nations, with the shepherd of the nations. Because he is the desire of the nations, but he's also the desire of your heart. In fact, he's first the desire of your heart, and then he's the desire of the nations. And what, what is it that I'm going to carry if I don't allow him to wash my feet? Because see, in the going, if he hasn't washed our feet first, if we haven't received the intimate ministry of Jesus, in the going, we're going to carry what we've experienced in the past to places that he's going to commission and send us, and we, we can't afford to do that. We have to be washed. We have to be washed by the ministry of Jesus. That's what intimacy means and looks like. And so my heart today was to kind of just start to steer us as a community towards understanding what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and what it means to begin to follow him. And over the next uh, six weeks or so, we'll unpack this, and we're going to talk about what Jesus really emphasized for those who would follow him. And can I just say this to you today? The gospel really is meant to, to bring conviction. And I, I would ask you to, to maybe allow the Holy Spirit, and maybe this is just for a few of you. If it's not for you, it's all good. Sometimes... Sometimes pride and arrogance kind of hides itself as other things in our lives. And, and so we don't even recognize it or realize it in our lives. And, and what it does is it really can hinder us and stop us from hearing, from listening, from receiving. And I just, I just want to encourage you guys um, over these next couple of weeks that the gospel, it's going to convict us. Every time. There's not a single time that I open the word and read it and I'm not challenged it's meant to challenge us. And so I want to encourage you as disciples of Jesus, if we are living intimate with truth, we're not going to be offended by these things and ignore them. If it's a lie, the revelation that truth brings will protect us from that lie. It'll be foreign. But if it's what the Lord's doing, then let that conviction produce transformation. Choose the low place with Jesus and let him wash you. Because sometimes we don't even know where the dirt's from on our feet. We know it's come from somewhere in the last journey. But I don't, I don't know exactly where that mark is from and where that's from, whatever. But it doesn't matter. Just let him wash it. Let him, let him really just minister to you the, the washing of Jesus, that place of intimacy so that we can follow him and do what he's called us to do. So we're going to get a lot more practical as we, as we teach this. But I just wanted to focus in on your heart again this morning and just say, we're going to run. And my mom shared it, I think, was it this service or the first one about that, the, the ease, the capacity um, first service, that we've come into a, a, a time where there's, there's expansion and God's doing big things. I mean, us as a community, somehow we're sending three teams into three different nations that are not exactly easy, you know, fun nations. And, and yet there's a zeal and a fire and, and people are burning to take the gospel. This is a season of expansion. What God's doing on the land is incredible. In the midst of COVID, this has been the time that God's chosen to build. And we're week or a couple of days away from getting everything that we need to start, right? Um, and, and so we're, we're, we've, we, there's so much going on behind the scenes, but there's favor and there's grace for us to continue to do what God's called us to do. But if we make it our cause, it's not going to last very long. But if we stay intimate with truth, then God's going to produce a longevity in us that goes from generation to generation. And, uh, and so I, I want to encourage you. This is, a, this is an amazing time. God's doing it. There's a grace. There's an ease on us. But the the, the foundation, the core of everything that we do is intimacy with Him. Does that make sense? You good?
Sometimes it's good to just let things sink in, just let things hit our hearts. See, uh, services, and we know this, we've said the services are not going to change things, but the presence of the Lord will. And so when we gather like this and His presence is here and we honor His presence, that's when change happens, transformation happens. Um, you know, we can come here and, and have an awesome time where you feel really good and encouraged, but nothing changes. It's His presence that changes us. And it's not somebody else's job to honor the presence of God for you. It's your own walk with the Lord. But when we come together and we all begin to value and enthrone and honor Him, it's beautiful what He begins to do. And so, Holy Spirit, I just want to say thank you. Lord, I just ask that something, something, even, even the smallest little thing of what I've said today, Lord, that it would take deep root in our hearts. Lord, in fact, if, if everything I've said is forgotten, but they encounter your presence, I ask, Lord, that that one thing would happen today, Lord. Every single one of us would encounter the presence of God, that we would taste and see of your goodness in our lives, and we would be marked forever, never to return to our old ways, our old nature, that it would be such a joy to put all of that off and to put on the nature of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you are here ministering the all-sufficiency of Jesus into our lives, into our hearts. Lord, I pray if, there, if there's anything in our lives that's not in your nature, if there, whether it's sickness or whether it's even just heart journeys, things that are happening in our, in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that's not in your nature, I just thank you that you are faithful to minister Christ, that you are faithful to minister the heart of God, everything that you paid for, that you would minister that to our hearts, Lord. I just feel like for some of you, there's things you've been carrying that just, they're falling off in this place of rest. They're falling off as you just thank Him. Just thank Him for, for who He is and what He's doing. He's so faithful. He's faithful to finish what He started. He's faithful to do what He paid for. So Spirit of Jesus, we love you and we honor you today. Father, I thank you. All the noise that's been demanding our attention just falls silent right now. And we just yield to your voice. 